So welcome. I'm glad you're all here this morning, and I have a little story to tell you, and it's going to require you to use your imagination, because this morning I'm going to tell a story about miracles, because Easter is a good time to talk about miracles. So I want you to imagine that we are all sitting beneath a giant oak tree, and you can imagine that it's planted right here, and it goes all the way up to the ceiling, all the way up. It has these giant branches, and they're spread out over all of us. They're so long that they cover us all. And if we look up into the branches of our oak tree, we can see little squirrels scampering around. We can see some of those squirrel nests that they make, and we can hear some birds up there in the branches, and we can feel the sunlight that's falling on us through the dappled leaves. And then, do you know what would be underneath us because of this giant tree? Would be all the roots. That's right. All the roots of the oak tree are beneath us, and they are actually as deep and as wide as the branches of our tree. So we are being held by the roots of our tree from below, and we are being sheltered by the branches of this giant tree from above. So it could be planted there. And if you look around the trunk of this tree, you'll see on the ground, you'll see fallen oak leaves and you'll see some dirt and some sticks and some bugs and some worms. And you'll also see something else. You'll see hundreds and hundreds of acorns. And if you look back up into the branches of the tree, you'll see thousands more acorns on every branch of this tree. It is covered in acorns. Why does this oak tree make so many acorns? They are everywhere. Now we're going to imagine something else that's a little harder. And you can close your eyes if you want and imagine this terrible thing happens to our oak tree. Our beloved oak tree dies. You can imagine that happens however you want to imagine. You might imagine that a giant bolt of lightning strikes it and it blows into millions of pieces, or you might imagine that a fire rages through the forest and the oak tree burns up, or somebody comes with a giant axe and chops it down. You guys have good imaginations. You can imagine maybe there was a drought and the tree didn't get enough water and it died. You can imagine it got some sort of deadly disease, or maybe that this tree, which is... 250 years old has just come to the end of its life. So you imagine just that this tree has fallen or burned or been chopped down and it decays and before you know it, there's no more tree. It is gone. We might feel sad in this moment, right? Where did our tree go and how will there ever be a tree so magnificent as that? Right? There's a little tiny answer, and some of you have it, I can see. It's this, right? What is that? That's an acorn, right? It's tiny. Do you remember how big the oak tree was we were talking about? A hundred feet tall, a hundred feet deep, a hundred feet wide. It is destroyed. It is obliterated, completely gone. There is no sign of that oak tree anymore. But as long as this much was spared... Something this small from that oak tree is enough for a new oak to rise again in the spot where our old oak tree once stood. All because of this single acorn 
That is a miracle. And it doesn't just happen in oak trees. It happens in every living thing, including you, including me. There are acorns that keep us rising again. Now, you might think I'm exaggerating, but it is true. There are acorns in every one of us. We are covered in acorns. There are acorns in our toes and in our bellies and in our hearts, in our brains, in our fingers, covering our entire bodies. There are acorns. We are covered in them. They're invisible, but they're there, and I'll tell you how I know they're there. They show up to help us whenever we need to rise again. So suppose you are out playing on the playground, having a wonderful time. You're swinging, you're running, you're sliding, and all of a sudden, kerplunk, you're on the ground. You don't know how it happened. Your knee is scraped up. You're sad. You're crying. You were just having a wonderful time, but now you're hurt, and you're down. And you think, oh my gosh, this terrible day. I was having fun, but I'll never have fun again for the rest of the day. And you sit there and you cry for a while and you hold your knee. And before you know it, the acorns in your toes start to wiggle. And they start saying, that was so much fun what we were doing earlier. Let's go run again. Let's go climb. And before you know it, you're up and running around again. Acorns help us in the morning, too because there are acorns in our bellies. This is true. You may be lying in bed. Your parent maybe has come in and said, it's time to get up, and you think, I just want the covers over my head again. But then you smell pancakes maybe, or bacon, or coffee, and you think, hmm, and that acorn of hunger, that acorn of hunger gets you out of bed, and you rise up, and you face your day. Acorns help us at hard times, too. So maybe once in a while you've gotten in a fight with a sister or a brother, or maybe even you and a parent have argued, and you have stomped off to your room and shut the door and said to everybody very loudly, I'm never coming out again, right? And you sit there, sure that you will never leave your room (laughs) until the acorn of forgiveness that's in your heart Despite yourself, it takes root, right? And it starts to grow. And you get up and you open the door and you join that family that you love once again. Even when somebody dies, there is an acorn. In fact, there are probably millions of acorns that have been planted by that beloved person's life. And they live in our memory, those acorns do, so that the person who is gone can rise up again, and we can see them and hold them in our heart, and they live once more. That's the miracle of acorns. Each of you is a reminder to all of us that miracles happen, that hope lives, and that there is always a new day and new life. So may you grow strong and tall like oak trees, and may you be covered in millions and billions of acorns. Happy Easter to you. Come with me on a journey this morning. Imagine that we're a thousand miles south of here. We're in the middle of the scorching Texas prairie, and it's July. 
We've driven out into the country, away from the cities, off the beaten path. And now, now we're standing in front of an iron gate that used to have a fence around it. Beyond that iron gate, if you were to open it and walk through, you would see incomplete rows of oak trees. Every third or fourth tree would be missing from these rows. These oak trees are massive, out of place here in the Texas prairie. And behind each oak tree, there is a marker, wooden or stone, just a foot or two high. On each marker, there is or there was a name. The wooden markers, of course, are long ago scrubbed clean by the sun and the wind. But on the granite ones, the stone ones, a name remains. Imagine that we wander through this once-fenced cemetery, perhaps stretching our arms around an oak tree that rises up in front of us. Our fingers don't quite touch. Are you there Can you see these rows of oak trees and behind those trees the tombstones, some of them with names on them? Can you feel the hot, dry wind, the dust in the air, the dust in your socks and in your shoes? This is the scene that author Gerald Callahan describes in his book, Faith, Madness, and Spontaneous Human Combustion, what immunology can teach us about self-perception. It's a remarkable book, and the title alone catches your attention, right? Pulls you in. Gerald Callahan, author of this book, was one of my college professors. He is a scientist and a writer, a mystic, and a poet, In his book, he goes on to describe this scene, this cemetery filled with oak trees. A friend has brought him here, and he stands there in awe. Each of these people, he says, as he looks out at these trees rising up, each of these people, he says, who fought this god-awful, dry and dusty land for a living, each of them were laid at the end of their lives Well, a few skinny neighbors stood around them singing Amazing Grace. They were laid into these shallow graves with an acorn in their stiff and calloused hands. Where ribs and chests once lay, he says, oaks have busted up through this old earth and stand whispering to one another in this old wind. Into the Texas heat, he writes, these men and women came from log or brick homes in Europe or New England to sod huts in the middle of the prairie to droughts and plagues of grasshoppers that took everything but the dirt. Stillborn children and dust storms that blackened July noons, dark as coal mines. Women who, in spite of it all, bore children, then somehow found ways to give those children enough hope to gather up the tools their parents had left them and press on. And after all of that, 
After all of those brutal days and nights, these people wished for nothing more than to be raised up once again into the same blistering sun and burning wind that had ruined them once before. Can you see it? Can you see those oak trees? Imagine them sprouting, growing, rising out of those graves. For years, I've carried this story with me, and it feels in many ways like an Easter story. Because the essential arc of the Easter story is hope, and then despair, and loss, and death, and then a different hope, a different, deeper hope that rises again somehow. These men and women came into the Texas prairie filled with hope, no doubt, for a new beginning, hope for their families, hope for their lives. Then they struggled with drought, with death, and finally, as they were buried, as the living buried the dead, they did so with an acorn in their hands. And a new, different, deeper hope rose again. Holy Week follows this arc. Palm Sunday is the story of Jesus arriving in Jerusalem on the eve of Passover. He is hailed as the king to be, as the liberator of his people. Palm fronds are put at his feet, a symbol of triumph and victory, and the people are ecstatic. It is a moment of great hope, but in just a few days, the rabbi Jesus is dead and nailed to a cross. His disciples and followers are filled with despair and grief. And then, two days later, out of death, out of the tomb, out of the dry and dusty earth, hope is resurrected. The disciples awaken to the reality that death does not have the final word. The disciples realize that Jesus' message, his spirit, his clarity about the importance of loving neighbor and God, of doing justice, that lives. It lives on in them. Jesus was crucified, but love did not die on the cross. And in this story, friends, I know that many of us can get hung up on the resurrection. Could that have really happened, possibly have happened? We ask our scientific 21st century minds churning through the improbability of resurrection. We ask those questions and we miss what really matters in this story. The disciples, the community of faith, that had gathered around Jesus, they experienced resurrection. Their own. When Jesus died, they felt abandoned, lost, hopeless. But then they caught a glimpse of something that could not die, something that was growing in them. It reminds me of the words I say at memorial services, words I first encountered years ago. Even though we sit in the presence of a great loss and are saddened and confused by what we face, we are nevertheless assured that there is a spirit alive in the world over which death has no dominion, a light that no darkness can extinguish. And that is the heart of Easter. The Easter story 
And the story of an oak tree rising from graves in the Texas prairie, these stories bear witness to the journey of hope and then despair and then hope again different and deeper. Two weeks ago, I shared with many of you part of the story of my call to ministry. I talked about a moment of looking at the stars, realizing we all come from the stars, that everything comes from the cosmic birth of the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago. Two, two weeks ago, it was the stars. I told you the story of the stars on my stole. But today, it's Easter, and it's about the stars, and it's about the acorns. Because the acorns buried in the calloused hands of the dead, the acorns and the oak tree, this is part of my call to ministry as well. The stars and the acorns dance together, together pointing to resurrection. Here's what I mean. Scientists now know that the pressure and heat required to make many of the elements in the periodic table, the building blocks of life, that can only happen when a star dies, when a star goes supernova, when it explodes. Gerald Callahan says it this way, only in the clenched fists of these dying stars do pressures reach levels sufficient to gather the seeds of hydrogen and squeeze protons and neutrons into the stuff of life, into phosphorus and iron and oxygen and nickel and zinc. Each of us was an elemental acorn carried at the end inside a star's fist. Each of us, the last great dying wish of a star. And so these acorns on my stole, they remind me of new life, of mysterious creative forces at work in the world that I can barely comprehend. These acorns remind me to pay attention to the miracle of new life emerging out of loss and despair and death. These acorns remind me that resurrection is real in the here and now, in the ways we come back to life after the death of a partner or a loved one, the ways we come back to life after living in the coffin, the grave of addiction, the ways we come back to life when everything feels hopeless. This is the story. This is the story of Easter. The story of stars and acorns, the story that love and hope are stronger than death and loss. This Easter season, may you discover within yourself those seeds of resurrection. May you discover within yourself those acorns waiting to bust through the dry and dusty ground that you find yourself in. Happy Easter. I love you. Amen.